so much that we are yours. Thank you that we can sing out our chains are gone. Thank you that we know that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Thank you that you are our King and our God this morning. Speak to us here in this place. We hear from you today. We want our hearts to be changed. We want you to move in us. God, that's why we're here. We're here to glorify your name, but Lord, we want to hear you speak to us. Speak to our hearts today, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Love to sing that song, My Chains Are Gone, I've Been Set Free. Um, We're going to talk quite a bit about um, freedom and what freedom produces this morning. Since that's the theme of our series, I figured I should stick with that. Um, I'm Greg, and I'm, uh, I'm one of the pastors here at, on staff at Faith Covenant Church, and I'm excited to be able to, uh, to share with you this morning. When I used to be in youth ministry so many years ago, 100 years ago, whatever it was, um, maybe it was even last year, I used to love to create games that illustrated a point or that would um, help involve people or help to break down a wall for students that... Um, Excuse me, for students that may be new to the group or maybe just finding a hard time to, to join the group. I love to, to create games that could do that. And uh, therefore, because I wanted to include people all the time, my games w- potentially lacked a little bit of competition. At least in my mind, they did. Sometimes kids would come and, uh, and see my, my flaws in all the rules that I've created, and they'd, they'd have lots of competition, and this was not in my mind. This is not how the game was supposed to go. But... Um, I had a student one time go to a parent, and the student said, Mom, Greg is changing the rules to the game again. (laughs) And and this mom, uh, totally faithful in in me, said, Honey, Greg would not do that. (laughs) Truth be told, truth be told, I did, I I couldn't stand it to see that team that was at at the losing side that they knew they weren't going to win. There's no chance. So I would go, okay, next one is a thousand point point bonus question or whatever it was. I would try to help that team to get back into the game or I, I, truth be told, I did um, modify the rules pretty regularly because I wanted to include more people. In the scripture that we're looking at this morning, Jesus changed the rules to allow people to know, who know him to come into his kingdom, to be called a child of God. Uh, we're going to look into the scripture this morning in Galatians um, chapter 2, verse 11 through 21. And if you would, you can open up your pew Bibles or you can see it on the screen behind us. Of course, we know that you've got it on your phones. It's all over the place. So uh, go ahead and find it somewhere, wherever you'd like to see it, and we'll read through it. When Cephas, or Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned, uh, excuse me, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles, because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his, his hypocrisy. So that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Um, Barnabas went with Paul on many of his missionary journeys um, all over the region. 
And so, and, and he was going to the Gentiles and preaching this, this, the gospel, the truth of the gospel to these Gentiles. And, and even, even Barnabas, he's saying, is being led astray in, this, in what they're doing. So picking it up at 14, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, or again, Peter, in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. I look at this scripture and I, and I see um, who Paul, the writer of this scripture, the writer of the, writer of the book of um, Galatians, he's speaking to Christians that... Um, might be stuck in their ways. He's obviously speaking to the Galatians, but um, they might be stuck in their ways and imposing, as, as Kurt kind of shared a little bit last week, they're imposing their beliefs and their rules on the new believer. Uh, and, and I have to be, I have to share a truth with you in this. I looked through it and I said, ah, oh, man, I am like Paul. I am like Paul. I am like Paul. And then I went, wait a minute. I am totally a Peter. I am so much like a Barnabas. The truth is, the truth is, when, when there are people around that I'm trying to impress or that I feel like in, in this situation it's said that Paul or Peter might be afraid of, um, I kind of sometimes shrink back. And I'm not like, I, I don't feel like I'm always like Paul in that where he said, this is the truth of the gospel. This is what we've been preaching. Instead, I, I, I might slink back a little bit. I don't know who you relate to more, but just think about it. Maybe it's not even one of those two in the story, but how do you relate to this story? For me, if Peter, the rock that Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and that he said, Peter, I will build my church upon you, if he can slip back, then so can I. And I would wager to say, possibly so can you. Have you ever had a time in a, in a public setting where somebody called you out um, and you knew you were wrong, or in that moment it dawned on you that you were wrong? That's a tough spot to be in. That's a, that's a hard place to be. And that's exactly what happened here with, uh, with, with Peter and Paul. Um, Paul is calling Peter out, and he's calling the Galatians out by writing this to them. And he's also calling us out. I think absolutely Paul is, is trying, to, um, trying to help us. He doesn't even maybe realize it, but he's trying to help us realize in this letter that we're, uh, we're doing some things that we, we might be slipping back into. Um, when I looked at this first section of, of the, the scripture from about 2.11 through 
14, 15, um, I thought a lot about how it talks, it, it really shared to me a bunch of don'ts. A bunch of don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. And then I thought, but I don't want to give all the don'ts to you without giving, all, with, without myself too, without getting some do's. And so we're going to talk about the don'ts to the do's. And, uh, and I, um, I hope this will resonate with you a little bit as, as you look at, into this scripture as well. First one is don't look back without, looking, without your mindset to the future. My tendency when I look back is, is and, I, and I may have shared this before, but my tendency is to say sometimes, oh, those were the good old days. I love telling stories about the good old days. And, and have you ever heard anybody say that, um, excuse me, that high school is the best time of your life, so live it up. I've heard people say that to high school students that I've worked with before. And boy, I'll tell you what, right now in the place that I'm at, I could not say that. This is the best time of my life. I have an amazing wife. I have an amazing family that I love to, part- to be with. And, 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 and he gives me opportunities to look forward. And so don't look back um, on, those, on those old times without your mindset. And we'll get to this just a little bit more. Without your mindset on, um, on the future. We might get stuck in those places and, uh, and glorying in what we accomplished. For me, way back when... It was the short-term missions that I did that I would say I would have gloried in. I would have said, oh, that was, that was it. But again, this is the best time of my life right now. For, as, as I thought about short-term missions, I would have said things like, yeah, you know, I went to New York, and I prayed for people on the streets of New York two weeks before 9-11. I went to Mexico, and I built houses in five cities, and I prayed for people to receive Christ. And then I think, wow, those, those, yeah. And I kind of start to slip back into that place. We can get enamored with those good old days, resting on what we've done and saying things, well, like, I've served my time as if it's a prison sentence. When I'm finished, I'm free, right? No, freedom comes in so many different ways. And, and for me, and I'm going to give you some of the ways that freedom comes for me when I, when I, when I give to God. Freedom comes first for me when I serve him, when I can serve in places that I know I get to use my God-given gifts to help others, either to come to know him better um, or just in giving to them when I, when I serve. Uh, the more I use my gifts, and I, again, would wager to say the more we use our gifts, the easier it gets to, get, to use them. You are free to serve the more you use them. Freedom comes the more that I know him. Knowing God, kind of like knowing a map well, um, expands the map just a little bit. If you know the map really well in the area that you're at, you know that you can go off trail and find some, oh, you, you don't even know about this place because it's not on the map. And, and here, here is this awesome place that you can go. When you know the map well, when you know God well, then the map gets bigger. You know, Dorothy had to stay on the path. Why? Because she didn't know the map. She didn't know the plan, and she didn't know the man. Okay, I just made that up. But, um, um, but yes, it's, it's, it, it, when, when we know the map, the, the map gets bigger to us, or the areas that we can go get bigger. When we know God, he gets bigger to us. Freedom comes as I love his people and those who don't even know him yet, and I love my God. Um, I am, again, I'm true confessions time, I had, and admittedly, I'm a skeptical person. And so sometimes I am skeptical about the motives of people that um, are around me. And, uh, and 
I don't do a great job at loving them. I am captivated in something that I don't want to be, that I'm skeptical of the people around me or I could be negative. We are not able to love people well when, uh, when, we're, when we're incredibly skeptical about them or, um, or we're untrusting in that. So I, I have to work on that in my life, and I know that God has called me to do that. One of the ways, uh, I'm going to get back to this, um, this idea. When we, when we love people by listening to their story, we are free to love beyond the surface. When we love people by listening to that story that they have about their life, then all of a sudden it opens up a whole different dimension of their life. When I get a chance, when somebody comes in, um, you know, there are people that come in off the streets into my office on, on occasion, and, uh, and again, there's this skepticism that starts up, but when I hear their story, when I sit down and listen to their story, I am free to love beyond that surface. When we listen to their story, we are free to love beyond the surface. When uh, we love people by sharing in their burden, that's another way that we can love people, um, and we're free to love in that way with our actions when we share in their burdens. Um, one that I love to do, and, and I don't get to do it very often, but um, providing without expectation. When we love by providing with that, without expectation, we are free from the burden of a bitterness that can come in. And I, I want to explain that a little bit. Actually, I think Linda's sitting right here. You taught me this lesson many years ago. Um, we talked about being released from bitterness. I don't know if you remember that, but Linda, Linda Walrath, this is, this is a, um, a beautiful piece to this, is that if I loan somebody 100 bucks, which I probably never would, not because I wouldn't want to, but because I never have 100 bucks, but <laughs> if I loan somebody 100 bucks and I expect it back, every time I see that person, I'm going to think, when are they going to pay me back the 100 bucks? And if they don't, boy, that's going to sever a relationship. That's going that, to, it could, I won't say it will, but it could. If I, if I give that loan with the intention of maybe I won't ever get it back, or in fact, I'm giving it expecting not to get it back, and that could, do, that could be with anything from um, our time, a gift, um, our treasure, the things that we hold nearest to us, um, providing without expectation frees us from uh, a bitterness that could come in. I want to move into, we talked about some specific freedoms, but I want to get back at the don't look back. Instead, freedom comes when I look forward, when I look forward to what God has for me. Using the past to look to the future is called wisdom, and that is okay. That is, in fact, that's what we're called to do, using that past, but glorying in the past is what we want to stay away from. And so looking to the future um, it helps us to know, by, by knowing the past a little bit, it helps us to know what we shouldn't do, and it gives us the wisdom in certain situations to know what we can do or how we can modify and how to move forward. Um, looking to the future does not direct us to predicting the future, but instead it directs us to prayer. So we've got these three areas. Don't look back. Instead, um, freedom comes when I look forward, and freedom comes with prayer. Prayer doesn't change God. Prayer cha- God knows the future. God, it changes me. Prayer is simply getting to know God better in dialogue, hanging out with Jesus. What you want to do today, Jesus? Change the world? Okay. It's just hanging out with Jesus, talking with Jesus, dialogue with our God. Next one is don't fall back. The next piece I saw in this is don't fall back. 
my dad and I are very similar in a lot of ways. Um, one of the ways that, sorry dad, I'm not proud of that I'm similar with you in is how we drive. Um, I, I remember this when, when my dad used to look off to the side of the road and see a deer or a rabbit and say, hey, there's a deer. Look at that. And, and I remember the whole family kind of flipping out a little bit. Well, I'm, I'm doing the same thing now. Hey, look at the rabbit. Woo! And we're starting to steer that way. And my family gets all upset. And, and I think, what? Well, I'm just a little bit in the other lane. It's not that big a deal. <clears throat> but I, I tend to drift. When I look back or I look in a different direction than where I'm going, I tend to drift away. And we can have that happen too. We tend to fall back. Instead of falling back, lean forward. Focus on the future. We lean forward into what God has for you. Walking has been described as saving yourself from falling as you're leaning forward, right? So we walk forward, we move forward instead of, of looking back. And, uh, and that is listening to God. What is our posture when we're, when we're into listening to somebody, when we're into a story? We kind of we get in as, as I get in. And I even saw some of you lean in as I did it. That was, that's fun. Um, but what... I hope that means you're into what I'm sharing, but, um, but listening to God's leading is where we want to move into. Don't fall back. Lean forward and listen to God's leading. So uh, we can get so caught up in talking, sharing our story, it's all about me, 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 that we forget to listen to what God has for us. We forget to listen to God. Um, God's still small whisper might be there but we can't hear it sometimes but because we're too invested in ourselves and the answer that we want. Have you ever been there? You know what answer you want, so that's why you're talking to God. I mean, he's going to tell me to do this, but that's not what he said. But you can't hear the whisper. But you can't hear the whisper because I'm so focused on what I want. Me, me, me. Um, in Romans 12.2, it says, uh, when, you, when you listen, when you know God well, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Um, take note of what you hear in those certain situations. I was, I was driving down. Okay, I, I'm going to rephrase this. Take note and share with trusted wise counsel. So this morning when I was driving down, I, um, I, I was going through some of my sermon as, as a pastor might, as he's coming into um, to speak, especially one that hasn't done it in a long time. But um, I'm, I'm going through it, and I thought... Uh, um, I thought of this piece, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm talking, and I'm talking, and I thought, I'm supposed to be listening. And as I said, um, now listen, I passed a sign that said, now listen. And I kid you not, it was, it was this miracle thing. Okay, now as I got a little closer, I realized that it said new listings, but... But it was, this, it was this sign. You are my trusted, wise counsel right now that I'm sharing with. I think that God put it in my mind. It's time for you to listen. And I listened on the rest of the way. Um, that doesn't mean that God spoke audibly. He put a lot of different things in my mind. Well, you could move this here, change that, or whatever it might be. But, um, but new listings. And, and maybe it was that I'm supposed to get a new house. I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Gretchen? <laughs> no. Uh, so... Um, so we're listening. And, and the next one is don't go back. First uh, Peter 1.14 says, don't go back to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. Now, the difference between don't fall back 
and don't go back is the ice cream in the frid, freezer for me. So the other night, I had a bowl of ice cream, and here's that, you know, I, I ate my ice cream, and I was done, and the kids went to bed, and I thought, oh, man, that was good, and I only had a little bit, so I'm going to go back to the freezer, and I'm going to get a little bit more. So I had a little bit more ice cream. I went, I, I chose to go back. It wasn't a drifting. It wasn't like, hey, I remember that ice cream, and it pulled me. It was, it was I made the decision, I'm going to go back and have some more ice cream, and actually, I had a third bowl after that, but... Um, I won't tell you about that. And then there's another thing, and, and, and I have to tell you, this is mine. I'm not putting on this burden on anyone else. This is mine and for me that I see. When I get some free time, sometimes in the mornings, Amazon, here I come. Woo! I love to get on Amazon and find the deal, uh, whatever it might be. Maybe for some of you, that's binge-watching the Big Bang Theory, I don't know, um, binge-watching something on TV. When you get that extra time, you know it's not necessarily the best for you. Um, but that's what we end up going to. Uh, you know, and I, I personally think that Amazon and Google are going to conspire to take over the world, but that's a different story. I love Amazon, right? You go down to that little, that little bar that says what other customers have purchased or what they do after. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I, I got to get out of Amazon. Sorry. Don't go back. Don't go back. I want to stay out of Amazon. Instead, live forward. Instead of going back, live forward. Living forward means do. Do what God has called us to do. When you hear that still, small voice, follow that still, small voice. Do what God has called you to do. Do what is good for the soul. Living forward means doing what is good for the body. Living forward means doing what is good for the mind. And living forward is doing what God has told you to do. When we're listening to God in that time, that's what God has told you to do. So move forward in that. Um, Kurt has shared several times in the, in the past few weeks that Jesus plus what equals salvation? Jesus plus what? Nothing. We've heard that several times. Jesus plus nothing is, equals our salvation. Um, and as we move into some of the next section, like 15, uh, verse 15, and all the, the rest of the way through this, um, we're going to see that the Jews thought they might have had some benefits in this. And they did have some benefits, the Jewish people, um, in, in being the Jewish people. Um, and some of those benefits were, were things like the covenants. They had the covenants, the promises of God that came to them. They were meant for all people, but they came to them. Um, they had the patriarchs and the history and the law. These things came to the Jewish people. And... And they were meant for all of us, but again, they came to them. These were the benefits. Um, the Messiah will be revealed from the Jewish people, right? They had the Messiah come to them. And again, he was meant for all of us. The benefits, though, had nothing to do with salvation and everything to do with revelation. I'm going to say that again, and, and I'll clarify it too. But the benefits have nothing to do with the salvation. They had everything to do with revelation. They couldn't be saved just by having the covenants. They couldn't be saved by having the patriarchs, the law, the Messiah. Um, they couldn't be saved, well, the Messiah, yes, if you have the Messiah in your life. And that's the idea. The, it, it was all about the revelation that was meant for all people, to give Christ to the world. Christ was meant for all people. And, and the revelation that the Jews received in all this was meant for all of us. It was meant for me. It was meant for you. Paul's message to the church in Galatia, to Peter, 
and to us is if you know this information, if you know what we've been talking about, then live like it. And we're going to go through the live likes section here. In, uh, in, in Galatians 2, verses 15 and 16, live like you are justified. We who are Jews by birth, I'm going to read it one more time, we are, who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles. Okay, I have to clarify that because Paul is using language there that is basically explaining how the Jewish people would call, call out anybody other than the Jewish people. They're the, they're the sinful Gentiles because they're not doing most of which were our traditions or our rules that they were placing on other, um, on other people. So he used their language to make his point. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Who will be justified by the works of the law? No one. We can't, it's not going to happen by the works of the law. He, he, he speaks so much to justification in this, and, and I want to define that just a little bit. I, um, I, I'm calling all these people out today. Linda and, and Steve, Pastor Steve Starr gave me something a long time ago in this one. Justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Thank you for that. I can, I can get to use it this morning. But just as if I'd never sinned. I love to think of justified that way. We don't have to have guilt because being justified in Christ means just as if I'd never sinned. I'm going to take you into a courtroom for just a moment. You are the defendant in the courtroom. And you're sitting with the prosecuting attorney, which is all, uh, brings all these things out of your life. The sin that you've, you've had in life. And God is about to bring down the judgment on you, which the wages of sin is what we earn through our sin is death. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God, though, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And, and that's, that's where he moves to. But God is about to give the, the, the judgment, the penalty of death. But because of Jesus' death on the cross, he steps in and he says, I take Greg's penalty. And Greg is now justified. Greg is now righteous. Greg is now set free. And I use my name because it's all about me. No, it, it, I use my name. You need to fill your name in that same place. That God has, Jesus has set you free. He's taken your penalty. There's only one way that we are justified, and that is through Christ's death. If you have been justified or set free, let's start to live like it. Live like you believe the truth of the Bible. Uh, in Galatians 2.16, it talks about the freedom that God gives us. And if we're using the freedom as an excuse to continue or go back to sin, like we've talked about, it certainly doesn't mean that we're supposed to go back to sin or that Jesus is involved in our sin with us. Um, he, or that he promotes that sin. Um, and it also doesn't mean that there is nothing that's classified as sin when, he, when we talk about this section. Paul is calling Peter out in another way here. He says, basically, do you really believe the truth of this gospel? The truth of the gospel that we're speaking, Peter? Do we really believe the truth of the gospel? If we really believe it, do we act like it? Do we live it out? 
It causes me to ask the question from Galatians 2.14, if we look back just a little bit, I don't, if we can get that one up on the board, that'd be, that'd be awesome. I know you'd have to pop back for it, but um, it causes me to act, ask myself the question, am I acting in line with the truth of the gospel? Am I acting in line of the truth, with the truth of the gospel? Where is it written? That's the question that the covenant, covenant church continues to ask. Where is it written? If it's in scripture, then we're good to go. Where is it written? If you aren't familiar with the Bible and where it's written in there, I would suggest something to you. Take time to read it. Take time to listen to it, to study it, to get familiar with it. Now, when I say that, there are so many ways. You pulled out, some of you pulled out your cell phones this morning and you looked at the scripture on your cell phone. Most of those cell phones um, that you have the scripture on, if you push a button, you can listen to it too. Um, Don't push a button while you're driving now, but you can start it before you're driving and you can make it happen. So you can, you can listen to the scripture, um, you can read the scripture, you can listen to sermons on, on YouTube. There are so many different ways to get scripture into our life uh, more and more. And so I would just say, suggest that we get familiar with it. Um, next is to live like you're dead to the law and alive to God. Um, this, one, this one, as I went through, I studied quite a bit on this one because I kind of get it, and then I didn't get it, and then the wording throughout that he shares made me a little bit confused. And so I, I want to take you through my understanding of it again and help you to uh, hopefully have a little better understanding of what it means to be dead to the law and alive to God. So um, hot summer day, and you are on the dock out at Mike Hurd's property, ready to jump in the water. You're, you're just getting all ready, right? And, uh, and you're going to jump in and what do you expect when you go in the water? What, what do you expect? Sometimes to freeze, because Lake Taps is really cold in that area, right? You, you, you think, I, I, there's going to be a little bit of a shock. When you jump up in the air, even, even as you get prepared, you're taking a deep breath. You're like, okay, okay, here I go. Okay, and then you jump, and you hold your breath. Everybody hold their breath for just a moment. Take a deep breath. Hold it in, hold it in. Keep that breath held. And you go underwater, and there's a little bit of a shock. Okay, and then you swim back up, and then you take your breath. Take your breath. That is life. That is, that's what it's like to come out of the water and into God's presence. So in, like in baptism, we go down in the water, and it signifies death to the old self. And coming out is new life in Christ. We are alive to Christ. We are alive to something new. We let go of the old and we come into the new. We no longer live, as Paul said, we no longer live for the rules or think that the rules will get us salvation. Jesus has brought us out of the water and we are alive to Jesus. We are thankful for what he's done in our life and we move toward him. That's, it, it's, it's a natural way to do things. The old is gone, the new has come. Within this idea of being dead to the law and alive to God, we are not called to do good works so that God will love us. We are beckoned to do good works. We long to do good works because we are loved by our God. And Remember, as Kurt has shared numerous times in this series as well, you can't do anything that will make God love you less, and you can't do anything that will make God love you more. Live like God loves you. That leads us to that next space. Live like God loves you. It seems... So simple, and some of you might say, I already do. I want to ask you a question. What does God think of you? 
when, if God were to walk in here and he were, we were to say, what do you think of Greg? What's the first thing that comes to my mind? And what's the first thing that comes to your mind when, God, when you think, what does God think of you? He loves you. That's beautiful. I don't always think that. I try to, but I don't always think that. And sometimes, sometimes we might, um, we might think that it, he sees our sins and our shortcomings first. Even if he forgave those things, sometimes we see those sins and those shortcomings first. That's probably how you think God sees you then, is through this sin filter. And that's probably how you might also see the other people around you, is through that sin filter, if we think first of those sins. Instead, let's change our thinking to exactly what Donna said. Oh, man, I am head over heels in love with that Greg. He is so cool. He is so... And that's what God thinks of me, not because of anything I've done, but because of what he's done. The song that we sang this morning, Testify, it has some lyrics in it that um, I think might be a little flighty or a little almost silly to some, and, uh, and I think, but it tells us how we can come to our God. The song says, weightless will dance like kids on the moon, a little bit flighty, but then it says, God says, I will give myself to you as soon as you start to let go. God says, I'm going to give myself to you as soon as you start, as soon as you let go. What are we letting go of? If we look at that song and say, as soon as you start to let go, we're not letting go of God. We're holding on to God. We're letting go of the other things like the world and the desire to please people first. Is it okay to please people? Absolutely. But the idea is that we would be seeking to please God first, seek him first. And his righteousness, Um, we'd be letting go of the guilt, that idea that God is mad at me. Um, He's not mad at us when we're his. And when he thinks of me, he sees my sins first. That's not true. When we're his, he says, oh, man, I love them. They are so cool. God sees us as a son or a daughter. This is hard for me to say, but God sees me like he sees Jesus. And the reason it's hard for me to say it's because not only do I not deserve it, but I feel like it's, it's saying something that isn't, isn't a truth, but it is absolute truth. If I believe the truth of the Bible, I don't deserve it, but God, who is rich in mercy, gives it to me anyway. He sees me as he sees Jesus. We need to let go of thinking that by doing good or being good, God will love us more. You can't do anything that will make God love you more. So I end with this. I say as we look at this scripture, look forward. If we look at the past, we need to look forward to what God has for us. And that means that we pray. We lean forward and we listen. And we live forward and we do what God has called us to. Live like justified children of God that know God loves you. Let's pray. God, thank you that you do love us.